We turn folks on. And that scares them. Are you all right? No. You know, I told texted you this week, um, which you ignored to watch inside. Um, oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, you didn't respond. <laughs> oh. But that's okay. I just, I literally, like, the credits, like, just finished rolling, and I was like, fuck, I have to tell somebody. So I was just like, dude, you have to watch inside. I, I, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, I, no. I remember you said that. The, the problem is that, like, it's like, I um I like remember that people sent me texts oh, and then I like the I I like remember that I responded to them when they really didn't. Yeah, I do the same. Like, oh, I'll get to that, and then like two days later, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I was like, I responded to that right, and I look back and I'm like, oh no, I didn't. But it's um it's a rare film for me where I absolutely just love it. Like, um, I immediately went on letterbox and just like five stars, which is very rare for me to do, um, mm-hmm. because it's so fucking insane. Like I have never <laughs> seen a movie that like relentless and like visceral, like it's probably, um, have you ever seen, um, brain dead early Peter no. Jackson movie is okay. That is, that is the bloodiest, like that is the goriest movie ever made, but it's so like cartoony that it almost yeah. like doesn't count. So like this is actually maybe like the goriest and bloodiest movie I've ever seen. Oh damn. Um, and like by the end of it, it's just the entire house is just blood. It's like um it's like a home invasion movie. Uh, it's oh, like this, I see. This pregnant woman who's literally going to pop like tomorrow. Like she has like her date <laughs> planned to like induce labor. And this okay. woman like basically breaks in with giant scissors and is like, I want that baby. <laughs> and it stuff goes down exactly how you expect it. And there are so many people involved. One dude gets, um, you know, those like flashbang like guns they shoot or like riots and stuff. Oh, he- like, yeah, they have like the. Yeah, they have like grenade canisters loaded yeah. into like a giant like barrel thing that gets put up to a guy's temple like point <laughs> oh <my> blank God. <laughs> it's gnarly and it's like uh you you haven't seen martyrs yet either right no i think i've seen martyrs what what the what no. is the plot of that movie you've seen if you if you've seen martyrs you would know because to me I'm, that's like of all the disturbing movies i watch that's like top I'm like 99% sure that it's one you've shown to me. That's what I'm that's why um, I'm saying. That's the the French one where the girls are kidnapped and they want to get um revenge on their like captors and torturers and then they open a can of worms that is just some of the most disturbing like gore and visuals you've ever seen. Oh, maybe I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i i want to tell you things but i don't want to spoil things but well i i know for one we are doing an episode on martyrs down the road when i am like mentally ready for that um it's a lot mentally yeah oh dude uh okay i can't i will spend the rest of this episode talking about martyrs but it this this in movie inside comes from like there's a time in like the late 2000s where like the french was having this like extremist like horror wave 
with like martyrs inside like high tension because of like all the political stuff happening in France, like all the riots and stuff. But mm-hmm. this is like inside is like one of those movies. And these movies are just anything that came out of like horror movies that are coming out of France in like the late 2000s are just like insane. And they're good. They're not bad at all, but they are like some of the hardest movies to watch. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of a, of a different movie that you've shown me. Or it, it was like a French movie too, but like it was like these people in like a house and like funny like, games. No, it wasn't that one. It was like it was two girls, but they were like they're like acting like a dog or something oh, like that. Oh, that's Dog Tooth. That oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Dog Tooth. Okay, I love Dog that Tooth. Makes yeah, sense. that's um one of the first Yorgos Lanthimos films. Um, okay, I like that yeah. one a lot. That's Greek. Yeah, I like I like Dog. Oh, that's Tooth Greek. A lot. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's my bad. Yeah. All right. I have a terrible memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just when someone's like, I don't know if I've seen Martyrs. I'm like, no. You know, if like it would be like, you know, I don't know if I've seen 9-11 footage. I just don't know if like, did it? Uh, I don't know. It's like the equivalent of that. Like, you know, if you've seen it. You know, if you've seen The Falling Man. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it would be like, you know, if you've seen The Flayed Woman. Uh, well welcome to the guts and ghouls podcast i'm dax and i'm brad and today we are reviewing the new a24 horror film x directed by ty west uh and right off the bat i love it uh what did you think oh yeah i i uh, i love this movie a lot it's one of the the best movies i've seen in a while honestly yeah um as far as like new horror movies go they're like like it's definitely up there for me too Mm -hmm. uh absolutely i i have i think my like very personal connection with it because i love the 70s exploitation slasher like horror genre um i love sleaze uh give me gore give me just a bunch of full frontal nudity give me drugs uh i love it and i just eat it up and i feel like this movie really captures that period of filmmaking oh yeah where it's almost made not i want to say to shock but to just be of not offensive i'm trying to like just in your face about a lot Mm -hmm. of it yeah uh like very anti what uh, a christian would want in a movie i guess oh yeah yeah you're not taking your grandma to see this no and and they even what i loved about the marketing a24 did was they even had like uh stuff like that where they made it almost like promos for like the old like texas chainsaw massacre where it was like a black and white of like like mia goth like screaming or something or like a man like with blood all over his face and it's like if you are a christian do not watch this movie unless you're not offended by men choking on their own blood. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, yeah, they went with the whole 70s, uh, like, marketing with it. And I'm all for that, like, aesthetically. And I and it, it matches the film because this film feels like it was just plucked right out of the 70s. Um, both yeah, it, in style. it feels very at home yeah and setting uh i mean the editing is very 70s as well so x is about a group of porn stars and producers uh going to 
shoots a new porno because they want to get famous uh, out on this farm where they're rented a cabin on the farm from the elderly owners and the elderly owners do not know what they are doing in this cabin they do not know they're making a porno uh and they don't like that uh and <laughs> lots of bad things ensue uh, yes it's, it's pretty yeah. much i think the non-spoiler plot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the basic premise of it yeah uh, like i said it's really goes for the 70s vibe of like horror mm-hmm. uh everything from like the setting to uh like the editing like they do a lot of those like split shots where you'll have like two shots basically at the same time with like a bar down the middle right yeah uh which which is great and it's it's used like really well yeah it's used yeah super effectively the scenes that it's used in and what I like the most is a set in Texas during uh, 1978 or 79. And it mm-hmm. actually feels like Texas, which is something that most Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels couldn't even do right. Uh, they, and we know that because we watched yeah. every single one of them. <laughs> and some of them I was like, are they in Louisiana? Like where are they in the Midwest? Like, yeah, but no, this is. Yeah. It's Texas. Um, you even have exploding cows on the side of the road. Yeah. And actually, there's something um, kind of interesting to say about the filming of this this movie. Mm-hmm. This Because they filmed this entire thing in New Zealand in a month. In a, wow. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive, like, all things considering. No, and, yeah. Like, you do not get the idea that, like, they're in, like, the same place that fucking Lord of the Rings filmed. Right. Like, at all during this. Like, it, it feels like like texas like 100 percent. no yeah uh and what's very interesting is what a24 is trying to do with this how they're making it into almost like a franchise oh yeah Yeah. which i didn't know going into the movie Uh, i just (laughs) saw the end credit sequence and i was like what so they already they they shot so in this month period they shot the prequel as well then no, I think I think what I saw was just production for this film. So I think they shot this film in a mm-hmm. month, and then they spent like another month shooting the prequel. From okay. what I understood of the shooting timeline, at least. Yeah. So they basically they have a prequel probably in post right now, ready to go already. Yeah, I would. Yeah, because they they filmed this a year ago. Now they finished okay. filming it a year ago. They film it, finished filming in March of twenty one. So I would assume that they're probably deep in um, post-production for that prequel, and they're probably close to finishing it, I would guess. Yeah, but, it's just, I mean, that's cool because I love this, and I want more of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would love to see this, like, next year or maybe even later this year. Yeah, it's just so weird that A24 would just put, like, all their chips in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I feel like uh, with their other horror stuff, it's a lot easier to market, like, Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, you know, they have like Ari Aster, you know, teens will watch whatever he put out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like something like this, I feel like it's, it's good. It's great. And I, I would recommend it to everybody, but I feel like there, it's sort of a niche film in a way. Oh, sure. Where it's yeah. not your traditional, it's a slasher, but it's not your traditional slasher is not mm-hmm. your like Halloween or scream or anything like that. So I, for me, at least I think it's weird that they're putting, their, their effort in this for a franchise 
And I'm, I mean, I'm all I, for it. I think so. I actually think this is probably one of the more marketable things they could make into a franchise, personally. I mean, yeah. because you, you could kind of frame it or like, you're like, oh, it's got hot girls and they're out to yeah. do a porn and that's they're going to get murdered. Like, I feel like some people would go for that. But I don't know, like, the, like maybe like 10 years ago, that would be like a box office hit. Because, like, people yeah. are getting to that sort of thing, horror movie-wise, I mean. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> now I feel like it's a little different. I feel like people are looking for something more, like, cerebral, like, hereditary or, yeah. um, like, um, I, mean, I just mean aesthetically. Because, obviously, this has got a lot of meat to it when you watch it. That's kind of just mm-hmm. the surface-level stuff is the the porn aspect of it and the the horror aspect of it. Yeah, like, I did not expect how in-depth this movie gets, for, just from the trailer. Like, I was just yeah. like, oh, it's just another cool slasher flick. Um, but then, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, emotional weight to it. Um, lots of, I feel like, metaphors and uh, heavy themes. Mm-hmm. And just everything's really, like, well fleshed out, which I didn't expect going in. And I think that kind of, like, I didn't realize when I was watching it either. I was just like, man, am I like getting emotional over like a slasher movie? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I know I felt the same way. It was so bizarre that it was almost funny to me at certain points where I was like, I'm like tearing up over this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange, especially. I mean, I think the reason why I hope this film does so well, and I think there could be some success in a franchise, is that the, the horror market right now is just digging up any properties and either remaking it or making sequels of legacy cast and just kind of cashing in. Yeah. Uh, and I feel yeah. like this is actually something original of, mm-hmm. of like, it's still a genre film, but it's original, which is very refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very original, even in, in its own genre, like slasher yes. horror. Like yes. there's not a movie like this out there, like guaranteed, like the, what they do with the material is completely different than what you would expect. Yeah. This is the first film where I've actually had uh, sympathy for the, the killer. Yeah. Where I was yeah. like, I was like, oh man, I'm like, no, wait, wait, fuck this person. They're killing people. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, no, man. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like you're constantly going back and forth, which I think makes a good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, it it gives you a lot to think about. Like that's the stuff when when it's not so black and white in movies, and I feel like that happens a lot recently, mm-hmm. especially with like modern blockbusters. Is yeah, things are very black and white. Like this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. Right. There's never much gray area, and so it's always refreshing to see a movie like this, where like like you said, it's it's very um, nuanced in how it treats its characters, and like nobody in this movie is a hundred percent right. Right, you know, like exactly. They, everyone has a different facets to each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think, uh, which this movie also touches on thematically. I think different generations may get different things out of this. I think depending on your views, because I don't think this movie necessarily takes like a lot of. Uh, I don't know how I'm trying to put this, they really let you kind of decide what it's about. Um, yeah it's not it so it's not, cut it doesn't spoon feed you everything yeah it doesn't spoon feed you no one states uh like through exposition what this movie is about <laughs> um which is great uh mm-hmm. so i mean personally i recommend this movie a lot oh yeah uh, you 
I think that if you have even a passing interest in horror, yes. this is like a a great movie to see. It has like very modern and timely themes. It's not just a bunch of kids getting massacred in a cabin in the woods like you would expect. It's mm-hmm. There's a lot more to it than that, and there's a lot more interesting things going on in, in it that you wouldn't expect a horror movie with this sort of premise to have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, dec- I would definitely recommend giving it a try and going out and um, supporting your local cinema and seeing it because mm-hmm. you can only see this in theaters right now. Yeah, I um, I hope like because I don't think this. I mean, it's doing fine, but I don't think it's been doing as well in the box office. Last time I looked, last weekend it had four point four million mm-hmm. total for the weekend. That was opening weekend, right? Yeah, opening weekend. And you, um, but you have to take into account that allegedly, now this is not confirmed or anything, the budget was around a million bucks. Oh, so, I mean, they okay. still made a bunch of money off of this, even if it doesn't yeah. make like over $10 million. It's, it's like the Blumhouse strategy is just make cheap, easy to market horror movies. Mm-hmm. Just, okay, are movies $2 million? Oh, it raked in $6 million? Cool. Profit. <laughs> we did it. Profit. The difference is this movie's good. <laughs> yeah, this movie actually you know? has craft to it, and it doesn't yeah. feel cheap at all. This isn't The Boy 3 or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I want to touch on this movie. The gore, for me, is excellent. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a gore enthusiast. I like gore. I like all things <laughs> bloody. Uh, but this, like, there are parts where I was like, ooh, like, damn. Uh, and it's like it's not and you never know here's the thing with these movies that are trying to go for this like 70s slasher vibe they are either going to go like over the top with the gore to the point where it's like silly which i'm okay with oh or yeah they're gonna yeah. go more down this route where it's very visceral uh it's very real it's very quick but still like very graphic uh which which i uh enjoy i i don't mm-hmm. know which on the spectrum i enjoy more uh yeah. but this one they definitely i think and uh also this movie it's not really a slow burn but it takes its time to get to oh, the yeah. killing so you're yeah. really waiting and when it comes you're like damn like you don't know what's in store for you yet mm-hmm. so. yeah it's it's interesting it's like it's not like yeah because you know there's that famous thing with the friday the 13th films where it's like studio said like oh we have to have a kill every 10 minutes yeah like mm-hmm. you go over half of this movie i feel like without yeah. any killing at all which mm-hmm. is like pretty ballsy for like a horror a horror movie like this like yeah a slasher and once the killing start it just they just keep going oh yeah it does not stop from then it's on. very it goes- similar i mean and i think this is what a lot of people are comparing it to is like texas chainsaw massacre where once it starts it doesn't stop mm-hmm um it's great yeah, absolutely yeah it's really good all right well should we get into the spoiler talk now yes let's so let's do spoiler, spoiler talk. warning ahead uh we're gonna be going over uh pretty much every all the plot points um giving our analysis of everything so all right i'll i'll give it to you to take it away all right yeah yeah and I, I would definitely recommend to you if you're going to see this do not listen to our spoiler yes. discussion because part of the the fun of this film is figuring things out for yourself and 
you know, kind of experiencing it in full without like anybody kind of spoon feeding it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, thank you for listening now and hope you enjoy it when you go see it. So, yeah, we'll start with the plot here. Um, let's talk about pussy. <laughs> let's talk about some pussy. <laughs> there's lots of, there's lots of, there's lots of adult stuff in this movie. So. There is lots of nudity, lots of sex. You know, it's, it's, it, it'll get you going. You know what? My, uh, recently, like, I, uh, my rating of how good a horror movie is is how much penis is in it. Uh, this movie has penis. I, it's good. It's got one of the biggest on-screen cocks you'll ever see. Yeah, uh, so. almost like um, Boogie Nights level, Marky Mark. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very similar in the same vein. It's almost like the same joke too. It is basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Boogie Nights, but I've seen that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's like the final scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just something about horror movies having male nudity is always just like, I think it's been more popular recently, is it just amps it up a little bit. Yeah, because you always feel bad, because it's, like, the classic horror film is always just kind of, like, tits and yeah. ass of, like, women. And this you know? movie does that, too. There's plenty of it. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of it. But you also get some male stuff in there, you know, for to satisfy both, both of the... Both parties. The, Everyone who X is an LGBTQ um, supported movie. It's very true. Yeah, you can get anyone can walk into this and be satisfied. It's that it's a crowd pleaser <laughs> or something. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm done talking about penis. Let's. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The okay, so this uh, this movie kind of begins with um, actually a flash forward um, to what takes to kind of the aftermath of what happens in this movie. Um, so we start with a sheriff uh, looking over the crime scene. The police have kind of already gotten to this house. We haven't seen this house before. It's like an old, decrepit kind of looking house. It's very similar to like Texas Chainsaw when you see the house for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. Mostly because the door was was broken Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking how many times Leatherface breaks yeah. the Sawyer house door. Look what your brother did to the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, what's interesting about this is that it doesn't really spoil anything for you because all of the bodies are covered up with blankets mm-hmm. and tarps. So you don't, you know that people are killed, which obviously you know coming in, but you don't exactly know who is dead beneath them. Um. But yeah, we get a look at kind of the carnage of the movie with our sheriff character. And yeah, and uh, another important thing to note about this is that um, during this scene, it's kind of intercut audio-wise and visual-wise with a TV that's on at the same time. And that TV has um, a sermon from like kind of a like a um, like a, a TV preacher type of guy. Like yeah, it's like a Texan televangelist. Uh, yeah, that's that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, real, almost like, uh, like very preachy, very because I only know because my mom would listen to these things like on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and they're very like it's like very showmany, like they get up yeah. there in the suit and they're talking and they were like, you know, they get on their tangent. It always ends with them like wrestling the devil 
or something <laughs> like 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 i got the devil on the ground and i stepped on his head or something along those lines um it's always very theatrical yeah yeah and this here is no exception because he's talking a lot about like sinners and burning in hell Mm -hmm. and finding god and all that stuff and and that audio is constantly that same like tv program is seen throughout this entire film just in the background it's like always there oh yeah yeah i think they even listen to it on the radio at one point don't they yeah and they turn it off yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I think um and then from here we kind of cut to um our main characters um when we're going well, back before to before you move there, you forgot oh, yeah. one of my favorite parts and this is when I knew <laughs> that I was going to love this movie cuz <laughs> the cop calls down the sheriff. He's like, "Dude, you got to see this." So oh, the sheriff that's right. goes down. And you don't see anything in the basement. You just hear the sheriff go down there. He just kind of oh. takes off his glasses and he's like, what the fuck? And then that's when it hard cuts to X and the the, the, the needle drop happens, the music kicks in. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I was sold. I was sold right then and there. I'm like, I know whatever I'm going to see is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I can't believe I forgot about that because that's such a good opening to the rest yeah. of the movie. And it really, um, this thing establishes the style of yeah. the rest of the movie yeah definitely yeah and you definitely are getting ready to see a bloodbath from then yes. on out yeah because <laughs> there's so many dead bodies it almost like it's like kind of the answer to um like the fact that we don't see any kills until maybe 45 minutes in but because we know mm. something's gonna happen so we know it's gonna be something good it's almost like it's like oh, teasing right. us like hey stick around yeah and you get that tension where you're like, yeah. okay, we know people are dying eventually. Like, who's going to do it? Like, how, when's it going to happen? You and know, if it's like, going to make a Texan sheriff take off his aviator's sunglasses, you know it's going to be <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Which can I say? Can I just say how much the... Um, this sheriff character, he looks like like the way he's clothed and stuff. He looks almost exactly like that sheriff character from the new Halloween. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Which I thought was weird, but yeah, I like this character a lot more than that one. Yeah, that one just has no personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, from uh, from here, um, we kind of cut to our our main cast of characters. Uh. They're in a van, and um, we find out through dialogue and them talking to each other that they're um, traveling to a film location to film um, a porn movie. Mm-hmm. And so we've got, of the group, we've got uh, three different porn stars. One, the main kind of character is Maxine, uh, who's played by Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. Um, the male porn star is named Jackson. And he's played by Kid Cudi, oddly enough. I don't know yeah. how they, they got that to happen. But I don't know anything cool. about Kid Cudi, um, but mm-hmm. I just remember when I saw that like casting, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever I just whenever I see a rapper in movie, I'm like, oh no. But <laughs> this is actually great. It's fine. Yeah. It's really I, good. I, like, if you wouldn't have told me that that was Kid Cudi, because he, he has like an afro and like oh, a mustache. Oh yeah, you can't on. tell. You and can't like, tell it's yeah. him. He's got the classic 70s porn stash. Right. And his acting was good enough that I, yeah. I didn't really notice that he wasn't like a traditional actor, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and the third porn star, she's a she's kind of like your typical blonde. Her name is Bobby Lynch, played by Brittany Snow from Pitch Perfect, um, and a bunch of other kind of uh, movies. I think she's been in the horror genre before, but like yeah. this is like years and years ago. Um, hmm. So yeah, those are three main porn stars, and then the boyfriend of our main character Maxine. Um, his name is Wayne and, um, he's played by Martin Henderson and he's kind of like the, the producer of the group. He, he's like the one making all the deals to get them like money and he kind of manages them in a way. And he's also (laughs) really fucking shady. (laughs) Yeah. He's, you get that idea right away from him. He's very sleazy. He, he definitely seems like he's always in to make a quick buck. Yeah. He's Um, always got a plan up his, or a. Yeah, up his sleeve. He's very, um, very quick thinking, very charismatic. Yeah, and you get the you get the impression that I think he's genuinely good at what he does. No, yeah, I think he's genuinely good, and I think mm-hmm. he's good to the people he's with to an extent. But he's very blinded by fame and money. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he seems to be pretty good to his girlfriend Maxine. Yes. Um, and they seem to kind of both really like each other. So, for just from the interaction at the beginning, you get kind of like them and the, and their relationship um, seems pretty healthy to me. Yeah, honestly. Um, and then the our last um, couple characters that I haven't talked about yet in the in this van at the beginning are um, Lorraine, played by Jenna Ortega, and then RJ, played by Owen Campbell. Um, Jenna Ortega, I've seen her in a bunch of things. She's recently she's been um, been in a lot of different horror stuff. Yeah, um, she's in the new Scream, right? Yeah, yeah. I I quite she's really um, really good in Scream and this. Um, yeah, she's great she, in this. Yeah, she gives a scream later that would like give Laura Palmer a run for her money. Ooh, um, which we'll get to. Yeah, I think. This movie is establishing two scream queens that are going to be in more horror movies. Oh, between yeah. Between her and Mia Goth. Because Mia Goth really takes... Because she's been in horror movies before, but she's never in like these kind of final girl type movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah. she does a really good job. Yeah, she's 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 wonderful in it. Um, um, but yeah, this... The Lorraine, who's played by Jenna Ortega, um, she is kind of like new to the group. Like you could tell, everyone else has kind of an established relationship with how they talk to each other. They're very like casual and like comfortable around each other, except her. She's kind of quiet and reserved, and she's not really sure that she wants to be there um, because yeah. she's just she helping out her boyfriend. Right? Yeah, she's just helping out her boyfriend RJ, who is um, kind of the director, I guess, mm-hmm. and he he films everything. Um, he's he's also new to the operation, but he's met these people before. Um, so they're not quite sure what he can do with the camera. And then they, they kind of, they stop at this gas station and, um, they get out to film their first scene. And that's kind of when RJ gets to kind of prove his metal as a cameraman. Um, so, and it's a very sensual scene where, uh, Kid Cudi is filling up the van's gas tank. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he's kind of shooting it like up at his face at first. But then um, Bobby Lynn gives him the idea to actually shoot it um, from like from starting from the 
the where he's putting in the gas in the in the gas can and going working his way up. So it's kind of like uh, framed as if like the the um, gas nozzles like his cock going into it, um, which is kind of a nice um, way to show that like you know all, all these characters are really good at what they do, um, mm-hmm. including Bobby Lynn, because you would think her her character would be like kind of like oh the ditzy typical the dumb blonde. blonde yeah but she she shows that she's that like a scene like that kind of shows that she's really passionate about what she does yeah, and she knows her shit too yeah she she knows what people want from from these kind of movies that they're making yeah. and i also want to point out rj's character this entire time is talking about how he can make oh, yeah. an artistically good dirty movie and he's like comparing <laughs> his likes work to like the french and all that so yeah. it's really funny this whole time and like he's talking like all this like highbrow you know cinephile stuff and then like a porn star is able to give him like a better idea <laughs> which kind of i think humbles him a bit yeah but but he like appreciates he's like oh like when he gets the shot he's like okay yeah that was good yeah it's nice because he's not really mad at her he's like oh okay you yeah, know you're right that was yeah. that was pretty that was pretty cool looking like that was the right shot to make. So yeah, um, you get a really good idea of who all these people are just from this opening sequence in the van and them traveling to this location. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite good. Also to mention Maxine's character, um, she, in this gas station scene, her and her boyfriend Wayne go in to the gas station to like uh, buy some stuff. Um, and you really get to know... Um, who she is and what she's like from a lot of what she says to her, her boyfriend there where she's like, Oh, you know, I, I don't like what I have right now, uh, but I deserve better than this. And like, she I, wants to be a big Hollywood movie star. Exactly. She yeah. has high taste for the high life. She's <laughs> like, I deserve this. And then he's like, don't worry, baby. I'll get you. I'll get you to Hollywood. I'll get you yeah. famous. <laughs> You know, and, but, it comes, and, it, and Wayne comes off in a way that he's like genuinely wants to like help her yeah. ac- accomplish that. It's not I like mean, a sleazeball thing. Want it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he cares more just about the money, and she just wants to live a nice, high class life. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So, um. Then from here, um, they end up uh, arriving at the house and. They kind of drive in, and you see it's clearly that house from the opening. Um, that looks exactly the same. It's that old decrepit Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it's like style basically house. the same shot too from the beginning. Yeah. So it's like you know, like okay, there was a body here last time mm-hmm. I saw this house. Yeah, so it it tells you visually, like okay, this is the same kind of location. Uh, so they get there, and Wayne gets out of the van to kind of go knock on the door. Um, to like let them know that they're here and like to basically have their guests kind of help settle them in and show them where they're supposed to stay. Um, and things don't seem right here already. Like mm-hmm. the their door is open; it's just a screen door, so you can just kind of shout into the house, and no one seems to be home. And from those interior shots of the house that you get, it's very messy and dirty and very rundown. Yeah, very grungy place. They don't they don't take care of this place at all. Um, so then from from and then they after yelling um, pretty consistently into the house for someone to show up, finally we hear a, a male voice um, 
come to the door and he uh, immediately is pretty hostile yeah. um <laughs> to yeah. Wayne and their whole to Wayne especially the second um, anyone answers the door reciting second amendment rights you know you're <laughs> you know you're in trouble yeah you know you probably should leave now <laughs> and yeah so he ends up pulling a gun on Wayne um and before this everyone else in the van thinks everything is going fine like normal but then they when then Maxine ends up looking over to the front door and seeing that oh god Wayne is being held up right now at gunpoint yeah. and she's like guys something is wrong <laughs> <laughs> something is going on here <laughs> um but then quickly that that tension build up which is expertly built up is released when oh okay all of a sudden this old man realizes he remembers that they're supposed to be here and that they he and put an ad very, out like, and they were the ones calling. Old man way to do it too, where it's like, yeah. you know, like when sometimes old people are kind of frustrated more at themselves, like they're mm-hmm. confused, where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, you did call, okay. And then he just like lowers the gun like... <laughs> like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, that's when I thought this movie was just going to be, be like a PSA for like Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that what that M. Night Shyamalan movie was? The Visit? Oh, Was that fuck. Alzheimer's? Yeah, I don't remember. I just know a kid eats a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, the old lady rubs a diaper in his face. I don't want to talk about The Visit. We need to... No, yeah, we need to... Let's, <laughs> let's keep on going on with X here. But, okay. So, yeah, the, the old man... Um, once that tension is released and he remembers who they are, he ends up um, introducing them to the property and um, they take a walk to their cabin, which is uh, quite a bit away from the main house. Uh, it's kind of a hike. You have to go through like a field. It's in view, and, but it's through like a really tall yeah, grassy field. Yeah, really tall grassy field. Um, and from here, you kind of get like a conversation between all of our characters and the old man who we find out is named Howard um, mm-hmm. who is played by Stephen Ur, uh, who actually uh, played a lot of the orcs in the Lord of the Rings movies oh. I found out <laughs> and nice. that makes that makes sense because his face his you face, can tell from his face looks yeah. kind of orcish <laughs> yeah it's very very run down um, lo- looks like a lot of hard drugs were used um, <laughs> yeah exactly um, but from here, we kind of see the start of the themes of our, of the story, um, kind of clashing where like the older generation and their values and then the younger generation's values. Mm-hmm. Um, we get like some dialogue where we find out that Jackson, the male porn star was a Marine at one point and him and the old man kind of have a conversation because the old man was also a Marine. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like standoffish. Like I think the old man even says at one point, like I I don't like any of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He straight up calls him out because yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess over the phone Wayne only told him it was going to be just like I think him and Maxine just. But then he brings yeah. like four other people. I mean, he he gives him extra money though. Yeah, and he's good about it. Yeah, he's good about it. Like he prepared for this. Like he knew. Um, like he was basically planning to just get out of this lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when the old man is just like, you know, I don't think I like any of y'all. 
<laughs> and they're just like okay and he just leaves yeah after that he's gone he just he just lets them be i just know if i was staying at a bed and breakfast and if the host was just like i don't like you and then left <laughs> i'd leave i'm not sleeping there i'm not eating any of their food <laughs> yeah you could keep my 30 bucks whatever yeah. i'm out of here <laughs> yeah i i don't trust this <laughs> Yeah, so that that the scene kind of ends with um, with Howard leaving, and also um, another important thing to note: Maxine ends up looking up at their house um, when all this is kind of happening, and they're all talking with the old man, and she sees a, a spooky shot of a lady sitting standing up there in the window, kind of looking down on her, um, and it's a, a old looking lady with like white hair and. It's a very spooky shot. And it's also important to mention the old man told them specifically not to mess around the house. Yeah. And don't interact with his wife because she's sick. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't just say what kind of sick, just she's not well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, and they kind of settle, they settle in um, and they kind of immediately want to get in to their first um sex scene they're horny um yeah bobby says that she's horny the blonde um jackson you know what he's fine with it he just wants to get going too um so they start kind of filming the scenes and then from here um our groups kind of diverge while everyone else is filming maxine kind of goes off on her own to the lake um i guess it's to casually take a dip in it in the in the nice cool water. Um, but what's kind of a creepy and unsettling about this scene is that as she's getting undressed to like kind of go swimming, uh, you could see an out of focus, uh, person in the background behind a tree watching her, um, uh, take her clothes off and disrobe, um, mm-hmm. which was super creepy. And it gave me goosebumps the first time I saw it. Yeah. It's like one of the scarier shots of the movie. Yeah. It's very subtly done. Um, there isn't like a, a stupid like musical sting with you no. that you'd usually yeah. see. It's like it's just kind of there, and you're like, oh shit! It's 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 really creepy. Um, so yeah, she's kind of swimming. She's unaware that someone is watching her though, um, and she's also unaware because an alligator uh, starts swimming at her from across mm-hmm. the lake as she's kind of turned away and swimming back to the pier to get out. Um, and that yeah. was a very <laughs> that was a very um, like anxious scene for me where I was yeah, you're just watching and, it get closer and closer to where and this was like one of my favorite shots because like the camera goes from like a bird's eye view so you have like the dock all the way to the left Mia Goth in the middle just kind of casually swimming because she doesn't know anything going on and then like you see yeah. the top of the alligator's head and his tail like moving side to side as you slowly and the music's like very like soft and almost like somber mm-hmm. like it's not yeah. all that like anxiety inducing but you're just like you know, like, you know that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like the perfect example of like, uh, what Hitchcock said, like suspenses. It's like when two mm. characters and there's a bomb under the table and only the audience knows. Yeah. I it's was like essentially that. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really well done. It's just a nice little like tension builder. Like, yeah. It, it, like, like, like we said before, like there's not a lot of kills going on at this point in the movie. But there's lots but, of like, tension. Yeah, that tension is there. There's a lot of tension build up with the way that's edited and the way scenes are kind of playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, um, then from here she she gets out of the lake and the old lady is gone. You don't see her where she was. She was behind a tree, kind of like twenty feet from the pier. Um, so Maxine gets up and, um, but then she sees uh, this old lady at the house across the the field that they walked um, from to get to their cabin, and she kind of waves her over. And Maxine, you can tell by her expression, is like, oh, okay, this is kind of weird. I don't know this lady, but mm-hmm. I guess I'll go over there. Um, yeah, and so then she she goes over to the house. And I guess the old lady just wanted to have a, a good old uh, wholesome uh, glass of lemonade with her. Really awkward one, too. Yeah, really awkward. The it's... important thing to note about this scene in particular is that it's kind of intercut with... Um, Yes, the sex scene that they're filming because that sex scene is still going on and is intercut with um, Maxine and this old lady's reaction who we find out is named Pearl so Howard and Pearl are the couple the old um, couple that are the owners of this property Um, and from that you get it's kind of like an implied sexual tension between Maxine and Pearl while they're drinking lemonade together because you get that sex scene and then it's like it's almost like the editing is trying to show you that like these scenes are like mirrored like mm-hmm. they're kind of like similar in the way that they're playing out like the the build up to Bobby Lynn and Jackson having sex and then them actually doing the deed and then kind of Maxine and Pearl talking with each other um also yeah, important thing to another important thing to note about Pearl specifically is that she's actually played by the same actress as Maxine um Mia Goth yeah, I didn't um, realize that watching the movie at all. No, I so. had no idea. I, I knew it was somebody in heavy makeup. I knew Howard was as well. Yeah. But I didn't realize it was Mia Goth, which kind of like makes me respect her a lot more. It's like it's very hard to play a double role like yeah, that. Yeah, especially two opposing roles. Oh yeah. Like yeah, they're like she's like Pearl is basically the villain and the Maxine is kind of our, our main character hero. It's like mm-hmm. it's very and she plays them very distinctly. And very interestingly. Maybe um, she got a lot of inspiration on the Suspiria remake, seeing Tilda Swinton play yeah, three yeah. characters. She's like, you know what? Tilda Swinton can play an old man. I can play an old woman. <laughs> she can play a decrepit ancient witch. Yeah, I can do that too. <laughs> I didn't know that Tilda Swinton played the witch in that movie. That's, yeah, she was Mama Marcos. Oh, well, neat. Yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, like Maxine pr- tries to finish her lemonade super quickly. She's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is weird. She awkward. chugs that thing. Yeah, she chugs it because like the old lady isn't really seeing anything. And she just kind of wants to get out of there at that point. So she kind of gets up and starts walking toward the door. Um, but then the old lady starts talking more and more about like her past. And we kind of find out that she says that she had like a very like conservative uh, life where um, she kind of got married in an early age to Howard. But um, I, to be fair, though, she talks very lovingly of Howard. It wasn't like oh, yeah, no, forced yeah. or anything. Um, and you, she, you can tell that she genuinely loves him. Yeah, and I guess she was very beautiful, and she was a famous uh, ballet dancer. Well, not famous, but relatively successful ballet dancer. Right. Mm-hmm. So very, very like energetic youth. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely like her best times were in her youth yeah which it's very sad it it, it kind of makes you that scene initially you're creeped out but you're also mm-hmm. kind of feeling bad for her you're like oh, okay she seems to really miss the past I think that's one of the most important things of her character right. she's 
you can tell where she's at now is not great. She's in like a, a shitty, decrepit house. She seems very old, and like probably 80, 90. Her something. and her husband can't do anything. Like they're they're like really old. Like we're not talking like like seventies. They're probably like in their like eighties. Yeah. Like they're really like old. Like I'm surprised they're living by themselves. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they probably shouldn't be, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, then she um there's that scene kind of ends when Pearl kind of touches Maxine in her side, kind of sensually and like yeah. longingly with like weird sexual desire. And then Maxine's like, Okay, this is weird, I gotta get out of here. But then that that she le- ends up leaving immediately when Howard arrives home. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't and, hear his truck outside, and Max and the old and lady's Pearl, even like, "You got to get out of here!" Like she's yeah. like, "Go, go, go!" Like she knows talking to her is not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Howard does not want her and to be. This talking is when to I'm. Scene. I was confused. Uh, like, who's the killer here? Because mm-hmm. it seems like she's afraid of him. Yeah, but she's the one that's sick. Mm-hmm. So this is where the movie really starts. I think toying with the audience of like who what's going on yeah exactly yeah you're you're supposed to be thinking kind of like at least i was where i was like oh i'm not sure who's gonna actually be our killer here like i was thinking it could go in like an interesting way um Mm -hmm. so yeah then maxine kind of gets out she goes throughout the bat through the back so howard doesn't see her she kind of runs back to the cabin where all her friends are um and from there, she she's freaked out, and nobody really notices that she's freaked out. She runs into the bathroom, and she looks at the at the mirror, um, and she takes a good old snort of cocaine. Yep, she <laughs> does that a lot. Yeah, um, to kind of I guess psych herself up, and then mm-hmm. right after that, she's ready to go film her scene. Like she's like, "All right, let's do this." Um, her scene with um, Jackson again, our male porn star. So yeah, they they go end up going out to the barn that is on the property. Um, that is also away from the house. It's kind of close to it, but it's still closer. in view of the house. Yeah, it's it's still in view of the house. A little closer to the house than the than the um, cabin is that they're staying in. So yeah, they they get to filming the scene, and it's very like funny, like typical porn dialogue, where she's like, "Oh, I oh my my daddy he he can't take you back, but I could give you a ride." Yeah, you know, like, like very oh, sexually like charged. Yeah, <laughs> and and also I think it's funny because RJ this whole time is talking about how he's gonna make this like great art house dirty movie. Yet, yeah, the dialogue is basically every porn ever made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like nothing unique. <laughs> There's like interesting like kind of like comedic clash going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then it, it's that scene starts out funny, but becomes very creepy when um, they uh, Maxine is like kind of riding Jackson, um, and while that's happening, Pearl is watching them from the barn window, and they don't know this, yeah. and it's kind of a creepy shot. It's like zooming in on the window, and she's mm. like, "It's like it's so well acted by her, even through that makeup. Like you can tell that she's like." she's has like sexual desire and jealousy and Lots also learning like, yeah envy for her and her youth and it's it's very uncomfortable and weird <laughs> yeah and, and she yeah mia goth looks like at the very end um, oh yeah but i think that's Pearl right. moves out of the way but like mia knows she's being watched i, f- I feel like that was imagined by her 
um, Pearl. Because I feel like they oh, would have been yeah. they would have like freaked out more if Maxine noticed that Pearl was there. Yeah, like that's true. Because it seems yeah, because it seems like she like the like it kind of cuts between her face and then Pearl's face as if they're like she was imagining mm-hmm. Pearl was imagining Herself. her and Maxine in Maxine's position. Yeah. Um, so I think that was just a little bit of style. I, at least I interpreted it that way. Okay. But yeah, and then so um, from here, everyone's kind of done for done with their work for the day. They go back to their cabin for the night. Um, and also Pearl goes back to the house. Um, and I guess she's kind of, she's turned on by what she saw earlier. So, you know, she starts putting the moves on Howard. She gets her, her makeup on. She gets a nice dress on. And she kind of comes on to him. Um, and then this is where we find out that they actually can't, um, have sex cause he has like a bad heart and it would probably give him a heart attack if he tried. Cause he says a line, you know what happened last time? Yeah. So he probably had a close call and they haven't, yeah. you know, done anything since. Mm-hmm. And you could, you, you feel really bad for her. Like after that happens, like she's really sad and like she goes and cries in her room. And it's not like Howard's like rejecting her. Like you can tell he also is upset that he has like he can't. Yes, yeah. He he very lovingly kind of tells her like, "Oh, you know, I can't do that." And you know, like, it unless you wanted me to die, <laughs> then I'll <Yeah>. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, I think Howard has some high ground here. It's, you know? that's, that's true yeah I would not want to die just for some pussy <laughs> some, some 80 year old sweaty Texan <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um, but yeah so and it, part of what makes the emotion of this scene hit this is kind of the moment that Dex and I were talking about where it makes you tear up was they end up playing the song um, the kids in the cabin they're all enjoying themselves and they're playing the song landslide by Fleetwood Mac on like acoustic guitar. Um, and this is also where we get that editing where it's like that double screen mm-hmm. with that bar in the middle where it's, it's them. You see them in the cabin having fun. And then on the other side you have a Pearl crying in her room and taking off her makeup and all that. Cause she just, she, you know, she can't have sex with her husband at that point. Um, so it's I, it's very sad and like the that song really helps the emotion hit. Yeah, and I think it's just a lo- like a you can tell like this old couple's like very secluded. Um yeah. and I feel like they're slowly distancing from each other mm-hmm. and they're losing that level of intimacy. Right. Um cuz I mean they're definitely happy together, they just can't be together necessarily. Right. You can tell that they they genuinely love each other. Mm-hmm. Um just from things that they've said to each other and about each other. So yeah, then um, from here we end up kind of getting cut off from Pearl, and now we're focused just on the the our group of um, like pornographers in the cabin. Um, mm-hmm. And so now they're just kind of all casually talking. Um, and this is when Lorraine, who has been really quiet up to this point, she's kind of the one that's new to the group, and she's not quite sure about it. Um, she starts talking to like Jackson and uh, Bobby and Maxine about what it's like to film and like how can you like because like Jackson and Bobby kind of seem like they're together but then Jackson will also like 
fuck Maxine. And she's like, how can you do that? Like if you're like kind of together as boyfriend or girlfriend, like how is that okay for you guys? And like, they kind of explain like, oh, you know, it's just a movie. It's, it's just work for us. Basically. It's like a performance. Like there's no real emotion going on. Yeah, And this is where I think some of like the main themes of the movie get expressed. Um, and yeah. Where it's like a very, I guess, sex worker positive. Mm-hmm. movie because he's basically just saying like you know hey she's her own person you know we're together and we love each other but if she wants to you know fuck whoever you know that's and i'm cool with it that's fine by me you know yeah basically like if all parties involved are okay then why why is there a problem with that right yeah and rj um her boyfriend lorraine's boyfriend agrees with it um, but that comes back to bite him in the ass a little <laughs> bit later because um, <laughs> then Lorraine reveals that her curiosity wasn't coming from a place of judgment. It was actually yeah. coming from a place of genuine like interest. And I guess she's really been liking what she's been seeing. And now she wants to film a scene. Um, yeah. And then instantly RJ turns uh, on the head. And he's like, oh, no, you, you can't no. do that. Like, that's weird. I don't, I don't want would, you to do that. It wouldn't make sense like plot wise. Like, yeah, he's like film this. <laughs> you know, like we can't just have more sex. It's not about that. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this dirty movie isn't about sex. <laughs> yeah, it's it's he's very hypocritical, and you kind of like him a little less in that moment. Uh, but yeah, it's also kind of funny. I mean, to be fair, he's backed into a corner, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no one expected that. No. Yeah. Um. So yeah, against RJ's wishes, they they go and and film the scene. It's between Jackson and Lorraine, um, and RJ also films it, which is also really sad. Yes, and um, he's not having a good time during it. Oh no, yeah, he can tell he's he's just hating it. Um, and afterwards, he he is kind of alone in the shower, and he, he's like crying, like laying down in the bathtub, and they're like, "Oh God, this is feel bad for him." Um. And then he, he kind of like works himself up and he starts getting like really angry with everyone there. Um, and he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm leaving. Um, so he, he, while everyone else is kind of asleep, he takes their van, like gets the keys and starts driving with it. Um, and then he's about to leave, but then all of a sudden, uh, it's kind of a jump scare moment because then Pearl is just in, in, in the road, in the middle of the road, stopping him from leaving. Um, so then from from here, he gets out. He's like, oh, God, what the hell? There's this old lady in front of me. I can't go. So he, he gets out, and um, he's annoyed with her, but he, he genuinely does try to, like, help her. I mean, he just thinks it's like, you know, oh, like, this, like, senile old woman, like, got out at night. Like, let me get you inside. You know, yeah. Like, he's almost talking to her like a grandma. Just like, right. oh, come yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he's he's very nice about it, but he's a little annoyed because you know he wants to get out of there. Yeah, he just wants to get out because he doesn't want to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then from here, it's kind of going off of that scene where she didn't get what she wanted from her husband. She kind of comes on to RJ unexpectedly while he's like trying to comfort her and like usher her into the house, and he's like, "Whoa! Like, what? What the hell are you doing?" She, like, tries to, like, suck on his neck. Yeah, she goes in for a hug, and he's like, oh, okay, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, sure. And then she starts kissing him, and he's like, oh, and he kind of pushes her off, and she's like, 
don't you want to see and starts like taking off her robe and he's like actually i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no i'm good <laughs> and this is where you really start the to feel bad for pearl until she um, ends up stabbing him in the knife with a, in the neck with a too. knife yeah it's super quick it's all it's very sudden like you're not expecting like, that to happen <laughs> i've never he, seen like, an old woman move that quick yeah <laughs> and he he like kind of stumbles back and like he's like holding the wound in his neck and the knife is still in but he's like choking on his own blood and he's mm-hmm. laying on the ground and, and she's kind of stabbing looking him. over him yeah she gets on top she takes that knife out and just keeps going on him it's and it's, it's like brutal very like sexual for her it seems like she's like on top of him yeah she's she's definitely getting off from from this like like spurt of violence that she's doing on him and and this has like one of my other favorite shots of this movie is because they're in front of the car headlights so the scene it's very like yellow you know of like the dark contrast and mm-hmm. then as she's stabbing him the blood splatter is going over the car lights and the scene is just slowly turning red until like the cars the front of the car is just covered in blood yeah and the entire scene is just like almost like blood soaked Mm-hmm. And it's just her just like sitting on top of like his corpse. Yeah. It's it's very well done. I love that. The the way the red light kind of like bleeds mm-hmm. into the the lighting of the scene. That was great. Yeah, um, so I mean the lesson we learned here is if an old lady comes on to you, you just have to say yes. <laughs> That's yeah, what apparently. I got out of the movie. <laughs> it, um yeah. So then I yeah, then Pearl she um, gets up and she's like inspecting her kill, basically. Um, and the scene kind of ends with her going into the the van and taking the keys mm-hmm. away. So this is when it hits you, like, okay, she's the killer, right? Yeah, like she's gonna and be the our fact slasher. that she gets the keys means she's like methodical. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this isn't just a random act of violence. Yeah, so you get some clues here. It seems like she's um, done it before. I think yeah. that's kind of what you get from it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, then we, we cut back to the cabin. Um, this is with Lorraine, who is the girlfriend of RJ. Waking, She wakes up and notices that RJ isn't in bed with her. Um, so she gets up to find him. And then I think Wayne is also up. It just happens to be up, right? Yeah. Well, he so hears her rumbling, like rummaging around going like, RJ, RJ. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then he he gets up and like um, they basically split up to go look for RJ because um, they know he's not in the house and they they don't they don't see the van. Also, um, Wayne is in his tidy whiteies. Yeah, yeah, he's in his which tidy look whiteies. way too small for him. <laughs> yeah, we're way too small. But you know, they he almost looks, look he like children's <laughs> underwear. <laughs> He's very ripped, so you know I, I yeah. would be running around in tidy whiteies too if I was that ripped. Like, yeah, he looks yeah, like yeah, um like a custom like he's like playing Dead Rising two, and he's just wearing like the speedo. And he's just going around. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then like from here, um, Lorraine she ends up going, uh, looking around the the house, um. She's kind of looking around quietly because she doesn't want to disturb like Howard and Pearl inside. Um, and I don't. She doesn't see RJ's body at this point. I think she had the, the Pearl had no, cleaned up RJ's moved. body. Yeah, yeah. 
She just sees the vans there. Right, yeah. She, she, so the old lady had, Pearl had already moved Archie's body uh, at this point. So she's looking, and then all of a sudden, the old man ends up seeing her, and she's like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. he comes out, and then she's, he starts talking about that he can't find his wife, Pearl, and he doesn't know where she is. And then um, she's also tells him that they're lo- that she's looking for RJ. So I guess they kind of decide to uh, join forces and look for both of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both kind of go inside and he ends up telling her that like, oh, yeah, there's a flashlight in the basement. Can you go grab it for me? And she's like, okay, sure. So she goes down to the basement. If and- Okay. If anyone tells you ever to go get <laughs> anything in any basement. <laughs> don't do it yeah <laughs> unless they're coming with you don't do it it's yeah. not good and you know that house does not have a finished basement there's spiders down there oh yeah yeah that basement is the creepiest basement of all time i'm pretty sure <laughs> but yeah so she goes down there um i don't think she ends up finding the flashlight right no she does oh she does oh okay. yeah but when she goes to leave yeah, she finds uh, this. Someone has locked her in. We don't see who it is, but you know it's Howard. Yeah. Because um, he's um, the only one in the house at that point. And then that is where she's freaking out. And then she discovers RJ. <laughs> yeah. He's like strung up in the basement. Yeah. Um, strung up, dick out, neck open. <laughs> uh, and it's safe to say that's what in the beginning of the film the sheriff saw. Yeah, when he's yeah. like, "What?" I assume that that's what they sh- that's what yeah. he was seeing, and that's where she delivers that amazing scream. Yeah, um, which is just so loud, and sh- it's just, just such a good shriek, and mm-hmm. it, her, her facial expression as well for it is like, there's just utter horror on her face. It's it's she does a great job with that. Um, yeah. So yeah, then from here we we cut back to Wayne who is also looking for RJ, as we said before. And he's kind of gone around the barn area. Um, and so he kind of hears something inside the barn. So he's like, he's like, like calling for RJ, like to come out. And, um, but he's not getting a response from anybody, but you can hear kind of hear someone is there around the barn. So he gets inside and there's a, the shot of a, from the ground where you see there's a nail sticking up from the mm-hmm. barn floor and um, poor Wayne is just walking around barefoot in his tidy whities um, and so then he just steps on that nail he walks right into it and this is, there's a, there's blood just gushing from his foot um, and he's like freaking out he's like saying cuss words and he's calling for RJ to like stop messing around and come help him um, which he doesn't because it's not RJ yeah, and and then from there he kind of looks at the back of the barn and he sees there's something moving behind the barn, and we see that as an audience as well, like through the these like a couple little holes that are in the back of the barn. Um, so he's like, "RJ, is that you?" And he goes, puts his face up right to the holes and kind of looks out, and then that's when he gets a fucking pitchfork right through his eye in a reference to like Italian um, giallo. No, yeah, it's very similar to almost like every Lucio Fauci film with just Mm -hmm. someone getting there, something that should not go in your eyes shoved very far into your eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's it's super brutal. And then you find out it's Pearl and 
she kind of goes over to Inspector Kill and she stabs him a couple more times while he's on the ground. Got a double tap. Yeah, you got you just you gotta. <laughs> yeah, and then we cut back end up cutting back to the cabin. Um and from Howard locking the rain in the basement, he Howard ends up journeying to the cabin um and finds Jackson up and Jackson kind of sees him outside and he opens the door and w- wondering what's going on. Um and then Howard kind of sweetly asks him like, "Oh, I'm I'm looking for my wife. Have you seen her?" And um Jackson is like, no, but um, I can help you find her. Kind of like very nicely, like just yeah. in the middle of the night, he'll go out and help. Um, and he was saying like how from his Marine experience, like if she's somewhere out here, like he can find her. Like he's yeah. a really good tracker. Um, so yeah, then him and the old man. Also um, during that yeah. whole conversation though, he's hanging dong. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is buck naked. <laughs> and you you don't see anything but you see like from the old man's perspective the silhouette of Jackson and it's just a huge just rod yeah it's like a it's a horse down. cock it's like comedically big <laughs> yeah it's fucking huge <laughs> so yeah then the, the old man Howard and Jackson go out and try to find Pearl and they're looking like in the forest area behind the cabin but yeah, and this is uh, this is kind of where like you get like kind of the payoff between their conversations about um, both of them being Marines is that mm-hmm. um, Jackson kind of sees a light in the bushes and he he goes over to investigate what it is. He's expecting it to be the old man, like maybe he yeah, fell he thinks down. The old man fell in the pond. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's kind of looking and like he doesn't he doesn't see him anywhere and he just finds a flashlight. And he's like, oh okay. And then that's, I guess the old man took that opportunity to kind of get behind him. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, and I think he ends up shooting him, right? Yeah. Well, first he, he, he kind of monologues and he's just like, he's like, Oh, that's right. Like, you people come in here, tempting my wife with your bodies. And he's just like, dude, can we just like go back to finding your wife? He's like, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And then, yeah, then the old man just blasts him. <laughs> so yeah that's the end of of poor jackson um yeah while well, all this is going on bobby and maxine are still sleeping in the cabin um and I, this is when pearl shows up to the cabin from killing uh wayne earlier and she's like kind of covered in blood and you know and she ends up getting in bed with maxine kind of like furthering her obsession with Maxine that we saw earlier where she's always kind of watching her and like trying to touch her weirdly. Um, she gets in the bed with her and she starts touching her more and like ends up even kissing her kind of like kissing her neck while she's, uh, she's sleeping, like touching her hair. Yeah. Like running her like hands, like upper body mm-hmm. and like leaving blood on it too. Cause she's still covered in blood. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, yeah, and then uh, finally Maxine wakes up from this, as you would, and sees a, a decrepit old lady staring at her in her bed. Yeah. And she screams like anyone R- would. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. And um, then Pearl just takes the opportunity to get the fuck out. She starts, yeah. like, hobbling out as fast real as she fast. can. Yeah. And that, that Maxine screaming... Um, wakes up Bobby and then Bobby goes to investigate and she sees 
Pearl leaving the room as she's walking up to it in kind of a, a spooky scene. So yeah, and she says something like, that, that old lady was in my bed touching me! Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. But her delivery, she's still like screaming it. Like, Yeah, she's like really disturbed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, imagine just waking up to that in your face. Oh god, yeah, it's... it's it's it could weird. be the sweetest old lady ever, but if I wake up with that an inch from my nose, <laughs> I'm screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then from here we um end up cutting to um uh what Lorraine is doing um right now as well. And so she's still freaking out. She's like banging on the door to be let out. Um and eventually she tries to she decides to like to kind of take things into her own hands and starts looking around the basement for something that she can use to get out. Uh, so she ends up finding an axe on like the workbench down there. And so she starts like axing the door, um, shining style, where she it's kind of takes shining. out part of it. Yeah, reverse shining. <laughs> um and then that's when we find out that Howard has just arrived back apparently from killing Jackson. And he, he brutally brutally rifle butts her hand when she's trying to grab the doorknob um and it it, it looks like grody it's she like, like rifle butts all like one of her fingers is like hanging there oh yeah like her hand is completely fucked <laughs> like i want to say like i couldn't tell if it was broken or like f- like open and like falling off right yeah like i thought the- he was using an axe and then when i saw he just a shotgun i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah, it, it it was brutal and it, it like happened so suddenly. It's very mm-hmm. shocking. So yeah, then we realize that Lorraine is kind of screwed. She's not getting out of there. So we cut back to um, Bobby and Maxine, and I guess Bobby, she kind of Maxine stays in the cabin because she's rightfully freaked out about what just happened. Yeah. But Bobby goes out and notices that everyone's gone. Like Jackson, Lorraine, RJ, uh, they're all gone. So she goes out and tries to look for him. Um, so she ends up going to the pier and she sees Pearl from, I guess she went there right after like being in bed with Maxine uh, at the end of the pier that we saw earlier that Maxine was um, sitting on and taking a dip in to and from. Um, so she goes and tries to like comfort her because as far as she knows, this is just like an unwell old lady that might be confused and wandering. Yeah, she thinks um, she has Alzheimer's. Yeah. So she goes over and she's like, oh, are you okay? Like, very sweetly. Like, she says something like, oh, I used to take care of. Um, yeah, she's like, my grandma. Folks. My grandma was like senile and I had to like be her nurse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's very speaking very sweetly. But then all of a sudden, that sweetness kind of gets cut off when Pearl like calls her like a bitch. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I don't need a nurse, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Bobby immediately turns on her. Is like, oh, well, yeah. fine. You asshole you're kind of creepy anyway yeah um and so we get that payoff with the alligator from earlier when pearl pushes bobby into the lake and at first bobby doesn't know there's an al- there's alligators there so she's like oh what the fuck why'd you push me in like yeah and then very, very abruptly that alligator grabs um bobby by the head yeah it's like by the like, head and just yeah pulls her down this brutal and she, the alligator starts doing his death roll on her and it's it's just brutal. Like when her face comes up from the surface, you hear her screaming, and it gets cut off when she goes down. It's yeah, it's very similar to um, that opening kill in Jaws. Uh, that's the first thing I thought of, where I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. god, 
See, like for me, this seems like it was a nod to um, the Toby Hooper film Eaten Alive because mm-hmm. it is about an insane old man that believes he has a crocodile that swam to Louisiana from Africa. What the uh, fuck? And he feeds uh, like all of his victims that stay in his motel to the crocodile. Yeah. And he'll do that where he'll kind of like chase them around and basically lead them to the pond, like pond and then push them in. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. That kind of sounds interesting. You know, I haven't seen any of Toby Hooper's other stuff other than... You're missing out. Texas Chainsaw. You're missing out. Yeah, I gotta watch. Yeah, and then from here, um, Howard kind of like is looking down at the water with her as they're watching Bobby get like horribly killed and, and by an alligator. And when we learn they're, they're in cahoots. Yeah, yeah, they they work together and they've done this before. Like this is a thing that they've repeatedly done with each other. Um, and she kind of says like, "Oh, is that the girl you were talking about?" And she's like, "Oh no, that's a different one." So I guess she specifically wants. Yeah, Maxine she said, "You know, I don't like blondes." Yeah, yeah, exactly. They never really explain what she wants her for exactly, but I think we can assume it's. Um, for sexual reasons based on how she's acting around her and Mm. stuff. So now we're kind of cutting back to Maxine. She's still in the uh, cabin, like um, kind of cowering in fear basically over what just happened. And she hears Howard and Pearl coming into the cabin to look for her. And that's when she kind of hides under the bed. So Pearl and Howard are kind of talking to each other after they don't see Maxine anywhere in the cabin. And that's when Pearl kind of starts coming on to Howard again. And then <laughs> Howard is like, oh, come on. You know I can't. She's like, come on. Yes, you can. She's like, you're telling me after you killed all those people, you're not hard as a fucking rock. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, my right. God. She's she's really, um, <laughs> she's horny. She's super horny. Yeah, apparently. Like, it's like you. It's like physical. You can see it on her. <laughs> so you know what howard indulges despite yeah despite his hard problems he indulges in that nut he's like those guys on to catch a predator that like they text him like oh like what if you're on like what if you're chris hansen or something and then they show up to the house anyways <laughs> yeah that's it's <laughs> that's this scenario it's a self-destructive kind of nut yeah <laughs> he knows the risks he's taken it yeah (laughs) so unfortunately as we know maxine is under that bed so while Mm. they're while howard is plowing pearl um maxine has to listen to it and also the bed is kind of depressing onto her i don't know if plowing is is the right word i think (laughs) probably laying (laughs) on top and slowly gyrating around (laughs) while moaning i think is a better word yeah yeah it's very low energy sex but you know they're yeah. enjoying it so they're enjoying good, it sex good positive. for them yeah <laughs> um so maxine rightfully wants to just get the fuck out she she yep. kind of crawls out and doesn't really get up until she's outside of the room like out of sight of them and she just starts running for the house i guess her idea is just to try to get back in the van um mm-hmm. and that's when um we find out that Pearl has slashed the tires of the van. Uh-oh. So even, even if she found the keys, she would not be able to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, when the, that realization hits her, she hears Lorraine screaming inside the house. 
So she runs and goes to that basement door where Lorraine had axed the hole in, and she's like, oh my god, I'm going to get you out of here. So then the both of them um, kind of get out, and they kind of talk, and they're looking for the keys. They can't really find them. Um, and then I don't uh, I don't quite remember, but Lorraine starts freaking out, right? So she's and been she, freaking out. Like, yeah, she's, once yeah. she opens the door, Lorraine comes out. She's like, they're killing us, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. he was like, I know, I know, I know. And she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. She's like, you did this, you whores. And she just starts <laughs> calling them names. And she's like, you guys are awful. I should have never, like, come on this trip. Yeah, yeah. And she, it's the, the another very abrupt scene of violence, unexpected. She runs outside and immediately just gets shot right in the face by yeah. Howard. Like her body <laughs> just drops. Yeah, it's brutal, brutal. And so then Maxine is like, oh shit, I gotta hide. So she starts, also, she hides. We forgot to point out that um, Wayne had a revolver in the glove compartment. Oh, yeah. That Maxine yeah. grabbed when she realized the tires were slashed. She's like, well, I better take this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So exactly. she has a gun right now. Yeah, she's, she's got a gun that she thinks is loaded. Yeah. Um, but it isn't really, because we know from earlier Wayne said, oh, it's just to, like, it's a scare tactic. It's not actually yeah, loaded. Because the old man told him, don't worry, this isn't loaded. And then Wayne's like, oh, I do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but then we realize, oh, wait, no, the old man was lying. Yeah, that's that a liar. <laughs> if you have a double barrel, that thing is not unloaded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that she kind of hides um, and is just kind of, I guess, waiting for the right moment to strike against them. Um, mm-hmm. And then there, Pearl and Howard are kind of talking over Lorraine's body um, about, like, what, what they're going to do, how they're going to clean it up. And Pearl's yeah, like, oh, really we- casual. Yeah, it's very good. Like, like they're trying to figure out like the best What's way to like, yeah, like what what they're gonna make for dinner. It's yeah. very bizarre. It's just like she's like, well, do we want to take clean it up tonight? And he's like, no. Well, let's see if someone comes tomorrow asking about them, and if not, then we'll bury the body somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So they definitely do this a lot. <laughs> yeah, they 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 do it a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden, um. Lorraine wakes up like or she's still like barely alive and she's kind of like gurgling on her own blood and it scares the living daylights out of Howard unfortunately who um, ends up having a heart attack right there because of that that heart pounding sex that they just had that plow fest they had in the cabin yeah his heart was weak <laughs> his, heart, his heart do be weak from that <laughs> it was a loud noise startled him to death <laughs> <laughs> so yeah then that's when Maxine kind of takes the opportunity to reveal herself and points the gun at Pearl um, and she and Pearl is just like heartbroken right now she is like uncontrollably sobbing yeah over her husband she's like wake up wake up wake up mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very sad um, and that's when Pearl kind of like you kind of start to get more of an idea of her mindset she she calls well Mia Maxine gets the keys. Pearl tells mm-hmm. her where the keys are. And on Mia's way out, uh Pearl's basically is just like, You're a whore, you're wasting your youth doing like being a porn star and mm-hmm. and sinning and doing all this terrible shit. 
Yeah. Um, and for me, it, it almost seems like projection on Pearl's heart part because it yeah. seems like she wished she lived in a time or maybe did those things mm-hmm. uh, when she was young before she she can't anymore. Right. Yeah. You get you get the idea. There's like she she wishes she lived her life a lot differently than she did. Yeah. Like not that she's not that she's regretful of it exactly. Yeah, not that she's had a bad life, but it's almost yeah. like like what could my life have been like? Could I have right. enjoyed it more? Yeah, exactly. And she loves Howard and everything, and I think she loves the life that she had with him. But it's like now that she's so old and she's kind of gone through it all, and she's not quite the way she used to be. It's like I think she kind of looks back and she wishes she may have lived her youth a little differently. Um, yeah, a bit more adventurously. Yeah, like like she's been seeing these these kids on her property do. I guess Maxine tries to shoot Pearl with that gun she took from the van, and obviously it doesn't work. It's not loaded, yep. <laughs> unfortunately yep. for her. Pearl realizes this real quick. Yeah, so then she grabs her husband's shotgun that was it's lying on the ground right by his body, and she holds uh, Maxine up, and they kind of have a little bit of back and forth, kind of like cementing the themes of the movie and like each character's mindset from here. So yeah, then then Pearl tries to take a shot, but very climactically, Maxine like ends up just ducking under it. Yeah. But when Pearl takes the shot, her old frail body just can't take that kickback. So she ends flying. up flying. Yeah, she goes flying through that screen door that we've seen yeah, time like and time tears again through earlier. The screen. Yeah. It's brutal. Like she it looked like it hurt. <laughs> I mean, have you ever shot a shotgun? No, never. It, it no, it's seriously like there's kick like people aren't joking yeah like so oh, man a gun like that um and you know they're probably using some some big texan shells in there oh god uh, yeah it would definitely blow someone and she wasn't holding it properly either because mm-hmm. she's like a frail old woman so yeah that thing sent her like at least like 10 feet back maybe that's a oh, little yeah. exaggerating but she yeah. went flying like <laughs> like her feet were not on the ground <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very satisfying um like kind of climax for yeah. the movie uh it's it's pretty cool um so then yeah like maxine kind of gathers herself and realizes what happened um she grabs the keys and she's going for their truck now that is the only working car at that point because the van has its tires popped um so yeah, she gets in the truck and she starts to leave. But before she leaves, she kind of looks back and realizes Pearl is like still alive on the ground. Yeah, and Pearl's like, like begging for her life. She's like, take yeah. me to the hospital, please. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. I killed all your friends and called you a whore, but please. <laughs> please help me. Now that she's not at the top of that power dynamic, she's yeah. uh, begging for her life. <laughs> so yeah, then Maxine... Um, it's very badass. She ends up backing up and running over Pearl's head as she's yeah, laying in the road. Real good pop. Oh, yeah. It's a great, like, fake head. Like, whatever they use. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see the skull and everything, and the skull, like, cracks and, like, rolls. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 quite good. Yeah, and then Maxine just gets the fuck out of there, as one would. And she is kind of repeating her mantra from earlier in the movie, where yeah. she's like, 
oh i'm like i'm a badass i'm a i'm a rock star like yeah i i deserve the life i want not the one i have right now like that sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah um, she's she i mean especially after all that adrenaline she thinks she's like on top of the world yeah yeah and then this is where um we kind of go back to the we pick up from where that flash forward scene left off at the beginning with the mm-hmm. sheriff and them looking at the aftermath of what happened yeah and the, i think this is where it's revealed that we are kind of we could kind of go back to that preacher that has been like yeah. throughout the movie like on tv and the radio and um we find out that actually her his daughter um is maxine right. and like they show a photo of her and she looks really young and different and um I think this really spoke to the um, kind of that phenomenon that happens in real life where like people who are like in a super, super religious household, like Mm -hmm. they, their kids are always the ones that are acting out. Do you know what I mean? Like they get fucked up. Yeah. Because like they've been told not to do it their whole lives. They're just like, you know what? I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it a lot. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, I could even speak for that. I grew up with like a very, in a very Christian home. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I'm a member of the satanic temple. So (laughs) um, that gives you any idea of um, how, what, what religion does to you when you're very young. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I feel like if it's pushed to, if something gets pushed too much on you, like no matter what it is, but I think especially religion, it's like, especially from a young age, you kind of like, gravitate away from it as you go as you grow older it's like you just don't want anything to do with it yeah it's it's this strange thing and i think what this film does really well is you constantly have that guy preaching whether it's in the radio on the background the tv's on in the background but you're constantly hearing it throughout and even when they're at that gas station the woman is watching it Mm -hmm. on like the gas station tv so it's clearly something and i mean like Christianity like that is very deeply rooted, especially in like Midwestern and like Southern like America. Um, And I think whether it's present or not, it's always there. Like even if it's not physically there, it, it just kind of seeps into generations uh, and groups of people very similar to Pearl and Howard. And which is why I think a part of the reason maybe Pearl hadn't acted on all of her emotions when she was younger and lived the life she wanted is sort of that fear Mm -hmm. of that regardless of not whether you believe it if it's instilled in your brain at a very very young age uh it's really hard to get out yeah yeah and i I think it's easy to kind of fall back on like the those kind of like early beliefs as like almost like a comfort thing yeah where like it is a validating to be like i'm a good person because i don't do this Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to like be seen as, and obviously no one wants to go to hell. You don't want to be seen as a bad person. So you want to live your life in a way that like follows like the Bible and everything. But I feel like as humans, we have like some urges that the, the Bible in general doesn't really account for that, that we can't really control like, like sex and, you know, like, I know homosexuality is railed against in the Bible and Pearl has very, very obviously repressed homosexuality. Yes, she really likes girls. Yeah. Especially yeah, she really me. Goth. Likes girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, so yeah, just to wrap the movie up really quick before we get more into like the themes of it and everything. Yes. Um, we end the movie with a really badass line from the sheriff when one of his uh, fellow cops kind of brings up uh, that he found like all the film canisters from that porn movie. That yeah, they he were found shooting. the camera from the cabin. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, man, I wonder what's on here. And then the sheriff is just like, from the looks of it, it's got to be one fucked up horror picture. And, and I, cut to black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when I was like, woo. Except yeah, it was just me and one old man in the theater. So <laughs> You should have been like, woo, yeah, man. Woo, woo. Hey, what do you think of that? <laughs> I like how much boobies were in it. What did you think? So I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk to an old man about it. <laughs> but yeah um this is a it's it's just it's such a great movie like like we said like i think you want kind of want to go more into the themes of it um yes like um but yeah what, what did you think about like the themes in general um i like it because they don't really tell you anything mm-hmm. they like honestly if you want to if you want to go into this movie and just be like you know i want to see some young people get killed boom that's fine you know yeah you've got a very solid movie but i think you can really um pick this apart and it's i mean there's so much to break down uh especially with pearl uh and i think being very envious of uh the life that these young kids are living Mm -hmm. and i think as she has gotten older that envy has turned into violence and whether that is because of maybe like I, I interpret it as their religious upbringing may be a reason for all this repression. Mm-hmm. And I think 70s was a very controversial time because things were changing. Morals were changing. I think while it wasn't where it is today, like sex was being more shown in a positive light. Um, it was being more normalized. So I think that pearl though i wouldn't say it's necessarily old versus young but i think pearl and howard represent a generation that is dying yeah. but is desperately trying to grasp onto their beliefs regardless of if they still believe in it but they're more doing it so they feel comfortable yeah that, and that's I, that's a perfect way to put it and i think that's how most generations are mm-hmm. um and I'm not saying that everything that our young people are doing is right and progressive and is, you know, the march of the right path of change, but they're definitely more morally loose and okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's perfectly put like, yeah, it really is that like, they're like, they're like so jealous and envious of the freedom that the, the young kids have in this movie they almost like have to cling to those beliefs that they've held their whole life whether or not yeah like you said they whether or not they actually believe in them yeah because it's like it's comforting to them and yeah it's too late like they've lived their whole life like this like you can't like back out now yeah you can't decide at 80 that you want to (laughs) fuck yeah it doesn't really work like that (laughs) it doesn't work out (laughs) but yeah i i agree that's it's a that was a really good summation of 
of all the themes of this movie. Thank you. Uh, for Thank sure. you. You can't see, but I'm bowing right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I think this is a great slasher movie. I think uh, there's a lot of weight to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of got a little bit of everything. I think no matter who goes into this movie, whether they're a horror fan or not, is going to get something out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. If you're, if you're just looking for kills, this has got him. If you're looking for hot, naked women, it's got it. Hell, yeah. If you're looking to see Kid Cudi's cock, it's yeah, got it. Woo. <laughs> BBC. <laughs> that, that, that BBC. If you're looking for old people sex, where it's basically just them laying down and gyrating, it's got it. You know, it's this movie, it's got everything for you, I think. Got a little bit of everything. And I mean, this is um, one of those movies uh, because I, I just love the style of it. And you know how people say they don't make movies like this anymore? Mm-hmm. And half the time they're just saying that because they're stupid. But <laughs> this is actually one of those movies where oh, it yeah. feels like it's from the 70s. Like, it feels like it was a movie of that time, but mm-hmm. modernized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a great one. It's It has all those stuff that you would want, the pulpy stuff like the kills, the eroticism of it. But also, it, it's just a great script. Like, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with a great script. And this is, like, a near perfect script like we were describing earlier there's setups and payoffs like that gun that pistol and the the everything comes into play yeah like they set up the alligator earlier in the film and then that gets paid off later like it's a it's a super solid script with like interesting themes and interesting characters there's a lot to chew on and then yeah like the editing and cinematography is perfect this movie costs like allegedly about a million dollars to make does not look like that it looks like it's so well shot this is like better than like a marvel movie that you'd see for like that shot for like a hundred million bucks those you look know, like, like fake movies though yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so, um yeah. yeah all right so closing thoughts um i love it i recommend it i couldn't tell by what you just said but i don't think you liked it i was <laughs> yeah no i i hated it i hated it okay yeah you hated it you don't recommend this movie i after i watched it i i went home and i got some teddy grams and i turned on the new spider-man movie and i was like <laughs> this is real cinema <laughs> all right uh just to clarify uh he he does like this movie he yeah no not. i'm being sarcastic i'm being sarcastic all right, <laughs> um, all right. well that was x <laughs> We both love it. Recommend it. Go see it. Uh, It's a good time. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.